Uh, greetings, dear listeners. This is Jonah Goldberg, the host of the Remnant Podcast. So uh, this week is a little weird for me. I'm going to be traveling uh, first for work and then to go to Spain for a family vacation. And so we – long story short, months ago I went on a National Review cruise. Everyone should sign up if they've never been on one. And um, Rob Long and I did a um, night owl session where we uh, – which we've done many times in the past, sometimes – with John Pedort, sort of like with the podcast Glop. Um, before that, we used to do it with Mark Stein, and it's sort of a fun, light, uh, borscht belty kind of thing in the, at nighttime. And uh, some listeners may recall I recorded a podcast with uh, Charlie Cook on that cruise. Well, I also recorded my thing with Rob Long and then lost the recorder and the recording for months on end and, you know, contacted the cruise uh, to no avail, couldn't figure out where it was. And then recently I just found it at the bottom of the closet where we keep all of our luggage. So uh, I have not listened to this, uh, but I was there. So I have a vague sense that the audience liked it. And I had Jack listen to it and he said the audio quality um, meant the minimum standards that we have here, which is saying something. And uh, he said it was amusing enough. So uh, as sort of a placeholder, this is going to be a joint um, ricochet or glop and remnant podcast with with Rob Long and I. Rob, for those who don't know, is a storied television producer from Hollywood. He was a young executive producer on Cheers, and uh, he's the the maximum poobah at the um, at ricochet.com, which is a great place. And this is us just riffing with no set script or or ideas about what to riff about. Uh, as the thing proceeds, my drinking probably becomes more obvious. Um, but I don't actually remember that, uh, which is not a sign of the drinking. It's just a sign of how long it's been since um, we did this. Jack, is there anything else that we need to mention with this? Uh, it was in November of last year. Was it in November of last year? Okay. But there's no – it's not dated because you don't talk about any political topic. Well, that was the point of it. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, so without further ado – um, I bring you this special, strange episode of the Remnant podcast. Not episode eleven, though. Not episode eleven. That that cannot be released. Nope. You know, um, you know, in show business, we we should have been introduced. Yeah, I was waiting for that. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of NR people kind of milling around, like, whoa, whoa what am I? You're supposed to introduce us, actually. Yeah, we're, we're yeah, louder. Loud, really? So I can hear me fine. Wait, I need these. We were saying that if Jack were running a tighter ship, he would have introduced us or had somebody introduce us rather than yeah. having us do it ourselves. It's considered. But, uh, it's considered the thing. I'm just I mean, saying. He could run up here now and try to make amends, but it's too late. It's a little too late. So. Yeah. Kevin can introduce you, but you, you don't know what might happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Kevin seems very comfortable over there. He doesn't really need to be disturbed. <laughs> Does everybody know that Kevin is a newlywed? Yeah. Congratulations. She, she seems like she's perfectly sane. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and Kevin's looking more and more like a Bond villain. <laughs> um, which means she's having a good effect on him. <laughs> yeah, right. So. 
Leaving so soon, Mr. Bond? I'm afraid I must insist that you stay. Um, hey, we're doing the show over here. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I'm Rob Long. This is Jonah Goldberg. Uh, Jonah, you arrived a little late, um, but I should fill you in on what you missed. Oh, please do. Uh, there was a bomb scare. I'm sorry about that. I want to make sure the boat didn't leave. <laughs> right. Uh, somebody found a box of uh, paint and cleaning fluids uh-huh. that turned out belonged to Jay Nordlinger. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so we were all herded into a giant warehouse and were forced to wait for an hour, uh, which they acted like, well, you know, I came late, uh, which they acted like uh, wouldn't have happened anyway. Every time I get on one of these boats, they herd us into a big room and make us wait and walk and switch back lines. And so um, I arrived in a bad mood. And then on the way up to the boat, uh, they're so persnickety, so persnickety. This lady, did you have this lady? She started sh- at the bottom of the escalator. She's like, uh, you need to have one hand on the handrail. Like, I've been riding freaking escalators. I'm a 53-year-old man. I don't need you, lady, to tell me how to ride a freaking escalator. You've, you've been riding escalators on your own for, like, at least five years At now. least five years. Without, without a helmet now. I don't have to have the helmet. Um, uh, and then I, so I, I, was, I was so mad. I was trying to, like, make myself feel better. I was reading the events of the day the, the, on the boat. And... Um, they had they had they had a one uh, event that day or the next day Sunday, a one hour thing. Did anybody go to this? Uh, and it was called um, you know like a one hour like program, how to use your binoculars. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm not making that up. It was called how to use your. What what could that? Look in your look in them. Is everything really small? Turn them around. <laughs> So I was mad. So that's what I. So, but why? What? Well, how did you get here? You I want. I want to know. Like, what happens? Like, I get the first five minutes of how to use your binoculars, right? You turn this little thing, focus, whatever. Yeah. How do you fill the next fifty-five minutes? It's like, do not look directly in the sun with your binoculars, right? Um, do not mock your binoculars. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So I had a. I, I came late. Uh, I shouldn't say that I came late. I came midway through the cruise, but I was punctual in my scheduled arrival time. I uh, I flew Fort Lauderdale to uh, I flew from DC to Fort Lauderdale, Fort Lauderdale to Providenciales, or Provo as they call it. Now the problem is is that the paperwork that I had said once you land in Providenciales, get in a cab and go to the boat. So I wrote on my immigration form, uh, it said a number of days you're going to be in the Turks and Caicos, whatever, and I said, zero, because I'm going to be on the Oosterdam. And I get to immigration, and uh, the guy's like, what, are you, wh- what do you mean the Oosterdam? And I said, well, it's a cruise ship. I'm going on a cruise ship. He said, well, how are you getting there? And I said, well, I, my, I got a, an email saying I just grab a cab. And they said, that's a different island. <laughs> and... Um, God, they're so backward. Yeah, and I'm like, first of all, I'm descended from a desert people, but we like a dry heat. I'm, I sweat a lot normally in humid climates. When when 
people in third world countries have my passport. I sweat more. And um, so then we got into this thing. And they were actually all very, very polite about it. And it turned out that I actually did have a ticket on this flight to Providential, to, to Grand Turk. But it just wasn't in my itinerary that my assistant sent. And so I called the cruise authority in a panic. And they sent me the thing. And yada, yada, yada. And I raced to the plane, not knowing that uh, the time zone thing is all messed up. And I've got another like hour and a half before the plane takes up. And then I am... I'm one of six passengers on this August flight because there are six seats. And I'm the co-pilot. I'm literally sitting. Um, and uh, very nice guy who's flying it. He's about 14, and his name is Captain Dennis. Um, and so we it's fly. Like, hey, hey, man, are you okay? You're sweating a lot. Uh, <laughs> I'm fine, Captain Dennis. I'm fine. Just We land in Grand Turk. Uh, which I, I praised Jesus, Vishnu, and everybody. <laughs> and I get into the airport, and it's a, it makes the Providentia's, Providentiales airport look like O'Hare by comparison. <laughs> and um, I, I get out through the security area, such as it was, and there are a bunch of guys in like yellow vests hanging out, joking around, having fun. And I ask people, where do I go to get a taxi? And I've been to a lot of second-rate, third-rate, fourth-rate airports in my life. I've never had people look at me like that was a really stupid, weird question. <laughs> and finally, I found this lady who... And I think it would actually be a good sitcom because there's the lady that, who runs the bar at the airport, which is also like the information kiosk, and, um, and she's sort of like the matriarch of the place. And she finally told me because I kept asking about where do we get a taxi and she said with a totally straight face oh he's not here right now <laughs> there's one taxi driver and so uh, I'm waiting waiting I'm calling the boat and I'm all panicked and finally and to make a long story short um, yeah uh, I saw that coming I walked into that a baggage handler got fed up watching me wait and had his red, yellow security, like sort of like he was protesting gas prices in Paris. He had his yellow <laughs> vest on. And he pulls up in his own crappy, beat-up car with a full plate, a glass plate, like a dinner plate, with metal silverware of some Grand Turk cuisine in the bowl. And says, I'm just going to drive you there because I'm getting sick of watching you stand there. And, and, and my goat is getting cold. Yeah, and, yeah. and it's so... <laughs> My guy, I was like, what do I pay? Oh, you pay me whatever you feel like paying me. And so I, I paid him a lot more than I would a taxi driver. And uh, it, was, uh, it was an adventure. So there you go. Well, we're thrilled that you're here. <laughs> wow. One person applauded. <laughs> yeah, a little late. A little late. A little late. Uh, who, uh, uh, who here is, is it your first cruise? Okay, so I, I'm just going to spare you a little shock and horror tonight. When you go back to your stateroom, um, there's going to be this monkey <laughs> hanging from, like, something. And you're going to, if you're like me, the first cruise, you're going to see it, and you think, this is, like, a warning. I've done something. <laughs> we know where you sleep. Beware. Uh, no, they just they make the monkey out of a towel 
for no known reason. I don't know why, but it's there, and I just saw it in my stateroom. Uh, and I, I'm pretty sure I saw it. Sometimes I imagine it at home, like there's a towel monkey. But don't, don't, don't be scared. It's yeah. art. Well, it's it's art. It's tip art. But the the the, the, the yeah. weird thing is that it is it matches perfectly the tattoo you have on your back. <laughs> Not perfectly. Yeah. Oh, because okay. it's uh, my my monkey is more realistic. And so does my monkey, but that yeah, that one has Google eyes. Um, and then uh, uh, did Eddie? Um, and then I, wait, but I don't want to put you on the spot. Uh huh. Yeah, you do, but I yeah. do. Yeah. But so you just give me the TikTok, as reporters say. Uh huh. You got here. You got on board. Yeah. Put your stuff. Uh huh. Do the thing. Yeah. And then at any point, did you have to report to your muster station like the rest of us had to? Oh no. So. Uh, um. You know, because I've been working for a right-wing cruise company that puts out a magazine on the side for a very long time. Um, uh, uh, I've been to a lot of boat drills. A lot of boat drills. And when I got to the boat dripping in sweat and freaked out and tired, and uh, Howard Moses met me, and he shepherded me through with the VIP treatment. And the lady at the front desk said, okay, you're going to have, basically, you're going to be alone for a lifeboat drill at 5.30. And I was like... No, as I soon as the guy gets back from his the yellow taxi. Yeah, lady. exactly. Um, uh, and I was like, look, first of all, I know how to trample women and children and get in the boat first. I've done this for a long time. I don't need to be reminded that you know it's the, the, you, you push the little or kids aside and you, anyway. No, you you use them as a kind of like wedge, baffle, battering ram. Yeah, yeah, battering ram. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes if you're, yeah. you really got your head on a swivel, you grab them by the ankle and you spin. Right. And that cuts a swath. Right. Um, this is the next Tibetan Lama. I'm saving him. Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know if I'm getting Howard in any trouble, but he was like. Does he really have to? He doesn't really have to do that, does he? And she was like, "Well, technically, and she's German. Technically, it is mandatory." Mm-hmm. And um, we have already been doing this drill since two years. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she said that if I don't do it, I will get a letter explaining it. And I said, "Let's go with curtain number two. And and she says, "You must read the letter." And I said, "Look, it is mandatory, Mr. Goldberg, that you read the letter." <laughs> I was like, look, every time I'm in the exit row, I study that card. Sure. I mean, trust me, I'm going to read that letter. Um, so that what that best. means is that for all of us, the next cruise you go on, Howard will get you out of the lifeboat drill. <laughs> you just have to, like, call him on the... We'll have a cell and put it up there in the thing and just call him and make... I actually had to do a drill. I, I took a container ship. I told the story once. I don't think I told it here. Um, I forget. I only have three stories. What I tell today, I, I dropped a lot of material today. I'm really feeling bad about it. Um, it's, I, it's the day drinking is yeah, the problem. It's, well, it's actually that it doesn't continue. The morning drinking is the problem. Um, uh, if you I, don't I, start drinking in the morning, you can't say you've been drinking all day. <laughs> That's exactly right. Um, uh, I, w- I, w- I took a container ship once uh, across the Pacific, and they actually, on a container ship, they make you do it. Um, uh, everyone has to do it, but there's also um, they have like toxic materials on the container ship. Um, um, what, may, I'm sorry to interrupt. Is it possible for them to turn off the elevator music? Actually, could you turn it up? Because like this is one of my, I want to Shazam this. 
I should thought of somebody's ringtone for a minute, but <laughs> thank you. Whoa. That's power. You like that? All right, so we're going to start over. Yeah. <laughs> So how did, Jack, here, how did you get here? How did you get here? Yeah, introduce right. us. Um, so uh, I, they have you have you a drill, and uh, and <laughs> so it's not. I, am I you're the only one hearing music right now? Because I smell toast. <laughs> burnt uh, hair? <laughs> and we had burnt hair and I'm tasting copper. Uh, so anyway, so I'm on the Canadian ship and you have to do a drill, uh, get get to it. And um, so you do this drill and it's uh, and they have toxic stuff up there so there's a, they have to do a drill for a chemical fire. And the the uh, all boats are kind of the same. That the, there's the officer class that have like weird Germanic accents and then there's everybody else, the boilers and the sort of the people helping out and they are often from uh, they are from Malay from that part of the world. I, when do, I they say, make, oh, do they make towel animals for you? <laughs> uh, I taught them how to. Uh-huh. Go. Well, and, when I, and when I say often, I mean they all. That's how it all is. And so we're we're, uh, we're in the room, and the very tall, six foot something Polish first officer says, "Okay, now we're going to uh, do uh, the chemical fire drill. Uh, the person has to put on the chemical fire uh, fighting suit. Uh, e- you." And he picks like three foot, four foot tall, uh, you know, boiler guy in overalls. Like well, me, yeah, you, because you put on the suit. It's uh, too, it's too small for me. It's not for me. It's for you. It's for you. You put it on. And uh, this little guy like looks at the suit, and then the suit's for a six foot tall person. And you can tell because it says on the suit for a six foot tall person. <laughs> and he's looking at it like, why am I putting this on? You have to put it on. Put it on. So he puts this thing on, and he's like, it's like he's in his like. Father's like like puddles. It's like a full body suit. It's like a, like a wetsuit with booties and everything. And it's puddling like around. Like Ramesh in my overalls. <laughs> yeah, exactly okay. right. And uh, and uh, and he suddenly realizes on his face. You realize he's realized that if there is a chemical fire, um, he's going to have to wear the suit. He's going to be. He can't walk two feet in the suit without falling over, <laughs> and he's going to be dead. And the, and he keeps looking at the Polish guy. The Polish guy says, "Wear the suit. Put the suit on." Put it on. <laughs> and he puts it on. And uh, and then the Polish guy looks at us like. Aren't these people difficult? And we're all like, uh, yeah, that terrible. Because <laughs> I don't want to have to wear the suit either. Um, and so, and, and so the drill was incredibly, incredibly uh, ineffective and unmemorable. I have no idea how to uh, fight a chemical fire aboard ship, but I do know that if 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 there is one, there's a suit here, and if you're if you're really short, you're going to have to wear the suit. <laughs> you know, I did a piece. Uh, a cover story for National Review, I don't know, a few years, oh, eight years, years ago or something, and it was on the glories, uh, the beauty of of offshore oil drilling. Came out two months before the BP spill. Okay. Uh, nice work. Yeah, it was great. And um, but I had to take uh, survival training, where <laughs> um, I spent a day in this place in Houston, where you get in the fuselage of a real helicopter that they then on tracks crash into an Olympic spinning swimming pool and spin over and you have to learn how to escape from the thing and um, which fortunately given my lithe, supple rippled muscular body I was perfectly well suited for this and um but I actually learned a bunch of really fascinating. I learned how to like make how high high pitched your screams can be. Pretty much, yeah. Um, I know how to make a flotation device out of any cotton T-shirt um, and. I know how to jump 
from over 200 feet into the ocean, which, when they do it in the movies, is wrong. You have to rest your arm like this and your hand on your chin and cross your legs. And the crucial part is crossing your legs. <laughs> because if you hit the you water... You have to jump into the... Like Ray Milland? Like if you jump off one of these oil drill, the oil yeah. derricks right out there, it's way high. It's like 20 it's stories like high, that, right? right? You go like that. You have to hold it so you don't bite off your tongue. And you have to hold it like this so the whiplash doesn't break your neck. And you have to cross your legs because if you hit with your legs oh. open like wow. they do in all these movies, you will wishbone. Wow. Which I hear is painful. Um... <laughs> And so I came home telling all of this stuff to like my family and my daughter, and it, it kind of scarred my kid. But um, <laughs> I didn't think about bringing it up till you brought up your industrial training story, and I yeah. thought I had a better one. So you did, yeah, you did. Yeah. I. So I keep thinking, like, really, would you wishbone? It's like I'm that, I'm that guy. When someone tells you the real thing, you're like, really? I think I could do that. I bet you I could like that person. Like I bet you I could do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's get an intern and we'll test it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do we do we have any? You guys have any? Not on the boat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we, uh, back at home, we hunt them for sport. <laughs> That's right, right. As long as you eat them, it's okay. That's right. That's right. Uh, so we should. Um, but you probably shouldn't make them wear that yellow reflector vest. It's really unsporting. <laughs> it's unsporting, right? <laughs> there's there's not the, that sort of every. Uh, like a, the, the most dangerous game. That's right, yeah. It's, it's every, like, a night gallery or, or Twilight Zone I ended up, like, randomly picking. It's always the one where, you know, you're, on a, you're having a lovely time on a desert island with a rich person. A rich person on a desert island is always a problem. And, uh, and you're having a lovely meal, and they say, now time for the sport. And then you have to go and... And it sort of like, looks like Kevin. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> Yesterday, he had this really cool collarless shirt thing that was buttoned all the way to the top. And for those of you who don't know... Uh, the what the guy Denofio, Denof, the guy who plays Kingpin in the the Netflix version of Daredevil, yeah. and I went up to Kevin and I said, "Oh my God, you look, you look like Kingpin," and he was like, "You're like the third person to tell me that this morning." <laughs> um, so, anyway. like that, he's mad at he's mad at you. Like, well, maybe you know, five more minutes on the outfit then. <laughs> you don't look like Kingpin. Don't dress like Kingpin. So now you're on. Yes. And it's pretty much the same, you know, everything's kind of where it was. Like, they didn't move it around. Yeah, although, you know, it's funny. So, I was talking to somebody about this last night. Uh, For those of you who remember the original Star Trek, every now and then they had to get another spaceship that was sort of just like the Enterprise, but they had to make it slightly different. That's how I feel on their Oosterdam, right? Because it's just... Slightly different. I've never been on the Ooster Dom before. I've been on the other Doms a million times. And so every now and then you just walk into a room and it's just slightly different. And you feel like, you know, maybe you're having some sort of episode. Yeah, or like it, you went in a time machine and you, you had a tuna sandwich on April 3rd, 1992. And now the Ooster Dom's different. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Right. Now um, there's no silk den. Oh, wow. I wonder how that happened. But So it's funny. Um, the other morning I was... Uh, actually, the other afternoon, I was having lunch with you, first day here, and uh, I went to the Asian station in the cafeteria, and because uh, I, I generally think that because there's so many Asians on the boat, they actually care more about the correct preparation of the Asian food. And uh, uh, John, you do you agree with that? I mean, <laughs> I'm, not any, I'm trying to put you on a spot or anything. But. Um, and uh, he's playing craps. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's right. He's there. Wow. You know, how do you get him out of the casino? Usually, uh, John is down at the casino uh, play, using his <laughs> Korean sorcery on the machines. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, terrified of water ghosts. And so I was like, I was disoriented. You know, again, I've been drinking since early in the morning, and and I I thought I was getting in the back of the line, but it turns out I was getting in the front of the line, and I started to order, and the nice lady behind the thing said, "Oh no, you're." The line starts over there, and uh, I, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but there was a lady from the crew, from the NR cruise, laughed and made a joke about how, oh, you know, because you're a, you know, you're on Fox, you know, you're a TV, you're on TV, <laughs> that you're probably used to cutting lines, <laughs> and and I was like, I, I laughed, whatever, and I couldn't quite tell whether she was serious or not, but I mean, it was like the idea that, oh, you know. I had a four four fifteen hit on Cavuto yesterday, so I'm going to get my latte when I want it. I'm not <laughs> right, 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 right. Do you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, I mean, <coughs> but I just thought it was kind of funny. I mean, like you're a podcast, you know? Yeah, uh, actually, mobile. I, I do actually get the people will stop me in Manhattan who recognize me weirdly from podcasts, and I know that John Podorts has had that. Somebody. Well, the st- here's the story he tells, and I think the first half of it is true. He was on the bus, and somebody over her listened and identified his voice, and turned over and turned around and said, "Hi, you must be John Podoritz." And this is where I think the truth stopped. And then the person in John Podoritz's story said, "I love what you do," <laughs> and I think probably first half is true. Uh, like actually, well, you know, because we were talking about that. Like uh, I remember, like. Uh, I was complaining to um, a friend of mine about um, not, uh, you know, having a show canceled, and um, which is the glamorous way of saying, "Yeah, where's my money?" Um, <laughs> and he said, "Well, now you have some time to to focus on your your pundit career." <laughs> and I was like, "Top, my head exploded." It's like, "What are you talking about?" Like. They don't pay you anything. They don't pay me anything to do this stuff. Like, absolutely not. It's not a career. But uh, but it is, like, true. Like, if you appear on TV, people think, like, well, you, where's your limousine? Like, yeah. no, nobody does that. Certainly not a Fox. Someone said to me, like, you know, this must have been the first time you flew down here, not private. I was like, what? What? <laughs> I, mean, I don't think you guys were. Fowler pays me in chickens. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, right. Well, I remember, um, uh, I... I uh, I uh, did a show with Bob Newhart for, for a while, and he would—he was always concerned about like making sure that we were normal, like you remember what normal is. And he told a story about in uh, his first show, the Bob Newhart show, uh, when he's married to Suzanne Plachette. He was a psychologist in Chicago, and um, and he tells a story of like he, they did an episode, uh, and they shot all the episodes in front of an audience, so like they had some idea of what was working, and um, it was uh, he and the writers they kind of came up with the idea, and the idea was that Bob and Emily, his wife's name was Emily, on the show. I'm looking around here demographically. I probably don't have to explain all that. Um, uh, and so uh, they had they got a business manager. So they got somebody who got all their money and like helped them handle their money and then put them on an allowance. And the show was really about how they did with the allowance. And they did it in front of the audience. And the audience was like, "What are you talking about? What is going? What?" And he realized, "Oh, I get it. Most normal people." Don't have business managers, right. <laughs> and only people in show business have that, and they just think that's normal. Um, and so, like the tweet today I mentioned, which is like you know, the, from ABC, that you know a, a, a single mom who, despite her blue collar lifestyle, wants to give her children the joys of a normal life. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, it's great. Uh, and then he told another story, which is like being out of touch uh, with about Fred McMurray. Fred McMurray. Um, Star of Double Indemnity and also My Three Sons. And Fred McMurray, for a long time, was the, uh, the, the 
the highest paid actor on television in that, that day. And he was incredibly rich because he bought all this real estate. And he was incredibly cheap. Like, never, like, that, that check would, like, grow mold before <laughs> he would grab it. And they already knew he was rich. And, uh, and, uh, and he made them shoot all of his scenes in My Three Sons ahead of time. So he didn't have to like show up and sit there while they were shooting, shooting other people's stuff. So he was very, very rich, and they're playing. Uh, he and Bob Newhart are playing golf, and he tells them the story. Remember, this guy's got hundreds of millions of dollars, and Bob's no slouch either. Uh, and he says to Bob, "You know, I had the most amazing story happen to me today, Bob. <laughs> uh, you know, our home up there in Bel Air. We have a bathroom under the stairs. And, and this is my Bob. This is my Fred McMurray impression." So. I caught um, it instantly. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and uh, the toilet was kind of leaking a little bit, Bob. So I called a plumber, and the plumber came, and in about 15 minutes he tightened something and you know, replaced something, and the leak was gone. And you know what, Bob? He charged me $80 for 15 minutes' work. Bob, you and I are in the wrong business. <laughs> So it's funny. Uh, uh, well, I hope it's funny. Um, at dinner tonight, I told the story, and that's why it's still fresh in my head. Um, my dad did a lot of work overseas the last 10, 15 years when he was on his job, and he was once in India meeting with a Bollywood mogul, and um, super rich guy. And this guy says, you know, Sydney, I, 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 I'm not going to do an Indian accent because we know what happened to Apu. But um, uh, is Ramesh here? Can Ramesh... No. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll do it then. No. no okay. Um, this this rich, rich Indian guy says to my dad, he says, you know, you know Sydney, I, I love your country. It's a great country. America's a wonderful country. But you can't truly be rich in America. My dad's like, well, you know, what are you talking about? We got the, and this was like 25 years ago. We have the richest people in the world. We have almost all the billionaires in the top 20, whatever. And the guy says, how should I put this? Um, I have never tied my own shoes. <laughs> my dad was like, ah, I understand your point completely now. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like a Bill Gates ties his own shoes. You know? Right. Yeah, I don't, I just, he probably does. I, I, he's kind of a loafer guy. I mean, I'm not, it's a great story, but uh, uh, the Bill Gates problem is like is some, something else. Um, so you don't have to wait in lines. Um, I, I, I was going to ask that because, like, uh, in, in D.C., it feels like everyone is essentially on TV all the time. Like, like you're you're always on TV. Everyone's on. Everyone's about to. Everyone's either in, in, in going into hair and makeup or coming out of hair and makeup. Like everyone is about to do. I have to go do a thing. Everyone's in the green room all the time. I mean. And it's not the same thing as like being a fancy pantsy elitist in the, in, the, in the cocktail party, but it must be a little strange when you people run into each other on the ins and outs of, like, an, oh, and oh, you know, something happened in the news. I'm sort of an expert. I got to go be be available. Uh, I don't. I I do not grasp. We'll, we'll edit this part out of the podcast. Oh, you don't know what I'm saying? I don't know what you're asking me. I'm trying to like get you to say that you're a big star and you're not saying it. But I'm not a big star. I mean, I'm, I'm well, there are there are bigger stars. I mean, I'm not saying you're I'm being a, being nice. Right? <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to be nice here. Yeah, no, but you're I'm on TV. Is it weird that you when you started to be on TV, did it suddenly become weird? Yeah, I know it's it's strange. You know, I gotta say it's 
Um, it's people's expectations of what they think comes with being on TV. But like, first of all, almost all daytime TV, it, it just doesn't matter, right? Um, and uh, I gotta say, I, I find it weirder because I'm much more um, revealing about my interior life and things like the Goldberg file or on my podcast and that kind of thing. And I will be at the airport and people will come up to me and immediately not say hello or whatever. They'll just come up to me and say, hey, how'd it go with Pippa at the vet? <laughs> um, or, you know, or did, 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 did Zoe ever get that squirrel? And I'm like, what are you stalking? What are you talking? And then, oh my gosh, I wrote that right, thing. Right. You know? um, Imagine being like somebody who doesn't know who you are and you just see a stranger walk up to another stranger and ask a question that sounds like spy code. Well, so it's, so it's funny. Um, and again, I, I, uh, we're, we don't want to talk much about the politics stuff, but some of you may recall <laughs> there was that time where Donald Trump attacked me and said, uh, why do I got to take this stuff from Jonah Goldberg? He doesn't even know how to wear pants, how to buy pants, right? And again... Well, you're not great at it. I, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I mean, I say this all the time. If I were on a job interview... I would not, and they ask you, what are your strengths? I would not lead with my pants buying ability. Right. I, mean, I, wouldn't, like, I wouldn't open with that. Yeah. Um, uh, but at the same time, it's not like my wife gets calls from Home Depot saying, you know, sorry, Mrs. Goldberg, we found your husband in the power tool section trying to buy pants again today. I, I know how to do it. Just, that's not like my greatest skill. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so this had just happened in like 2015, and I'm heading to uh, the Seattle cruise terminal to go on an Alaska cruise for a national review. And if you've ever been there, it's like a scene out of Exodus. I mean, it's just, you know, there are like 10,000 people swarming in, whatever. It's like, it's like a caravan. And, um, uh, and so scattered. Like, where's Waldo's, right? Scattered amongst these 10,000 people or so are a couple hundred National Review cruisers who look like everybody else because they're like everybody else. You know, they're just people. But these people are screaming at me for, like from five rows over. Hey, who bought you those pants? <laughs> Where'd you get those pants? And it's like, and I'm like, I thought it was funny, but yeah. I, I guess kept thinking, what if I were a normal person who didn't know anything about this? Why are people yeah. from 20 yards away yelling at the tall, sweaty guy, where'd you get those pants? I mean, it's just... And they're like, and I don't think I want to go on this cruise. It seems like a lot of mean people. Yeah, and people started... Like, strangers just started looking at my pants. Like, there was something to be seen. Well, it'd be weirder if some of the strangers decided that this is the thing to do. Like, yeah, where'd you get those pants? <laughs> like, everybody, like, climbing on board. Um... <laughs> yeah, that, well, we do have, like, I mean, it, the piling on would be something that would happen, right? I mean, but did anybody stop and say, and, like, be brave and say, hey, you know, they may not be the most attractive pants. <laughs> Sir, let me finish. Uh -huh. And they may be hideous in whatever ways and unfashionable, but I don't even know this man, but don't you dare attack him for his pants. There's so many other things I think you could probably attack him for. 
<laughs> like nobody, like there were, there were no heroes. Is what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, no, someone could have done the whole sort of Voltaire thing. I, I may disagree with the pants he's wearing, but I will defend the death his right to wear. Them. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And aren't you happy that this gentleman in particular is wearing pants? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> How dare you? I will stand up. Yeah. Uh, I did. I once, when I was in, uh, I was uh, traveling in. Uh, I, t- t- I was just me- remembering this at dinner. I traveled to Central Asia a few years ago. Well, that, that's also because why the, those are the uh, the issues I didn't write for NR. And uh, I was in Georgia, and there's a town in Georgia. I think it's called Gori, that is the birthplace of Stalin. Has anybody been to a presidential library? Like, well, basically that's what they have for Stalin. Um, and. Uh, the lady, the docent lady running it, I don't speak Russian, um, she didn't seem, the way she was talking, it didn't seem like she got the news that Stalin was bad. Right. Because she didn't say Stalin like that. She went, Stalin. <gasps> Stalin. And so we went to this the thing, and, w- and she was, I was the only person there, and she was leading me through. And then I had a translator who was not, you know, she would go, blah, 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 Stalin. And then the translator would say, and this is with Stalin, of very, very bad. She's saying he's very, very bad. That doesn't <laughs> sound like she's saying he's very, very bad. But we go in, we see Stalin's uh, railroad car, because he had his own railroad car. And this is kind of creepy. And in the corner of the railroad car was his club chair, his, like, leather and you knew it was his, like it had like a big old uh, hair oil stain and like uh, a little tiny um, cigarette holes. Which is creepy, right? This is Stalin sat yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. That is Stalin's hair uh, product. <laughs> and, uh, and it was a lot of product. And so she said, uh, sit, sit. Like, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to sit in Stalin's chair. Oh. <laughs> no, sit, 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 sit. Try Hitler's Barker Lounge. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't really want to. I don't want to sit in Stalin's chair. Like, no, no, sit. There's no prohibition. There's no prohibition. And so, like, so I sat in Stalin's chair, and I really thought that I would like. It would like, rub off. It would rub off. Like I'm certainly <laughs> thinking, like you know, a lot of those people were traitors. <laughs> but I didn't. It had absolutely no effect on me. Uh, and I was. I, that's. I guess what made me think of it was that, that, that there was a moment there in that waiting thing when people who didn't know that these people is a private joke could have stood up and they didn't stand up. Yeah. And um, well, to be honest, I don't know because I didn't necessarily recognize everybody. So there could have been. Some strangers who were going on a completely different cruise who were yelling, "Where'd you get those pants, too?" Right? So yeah, well, that's, that's actually very plausible. <laughs> Still, no heroes emerged. No, no, there are no heroes. No heroes emerged. No heroes. Uh, 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 unlike <laughs> this is the worst segue ever. <laughs> unlike the movie Red Dawn, which Jonah loves. That's <laughs> we have, I have Red Dawn written down there. Oh, oh. No, I th- remember, we were going to talk about not so much Red Dawn, but you were talking about. Uh, you had mentioned earlier. Well, it's my fault. We did about five minutes of prep for this, as you can tell. And um, uh, he had talked earlier today about how China is changing Hollywood and all this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Remember and that? that got me all worked up about how I, I think that of the great pinnacles of Western civilization, the original Red Dawn is pretty high up there. And um, uh, Wolverines. Um, uh, all that hate's gonna burn you up, kid. <laughs> Keeps me warm. 
Anyway, so uh, <laughs> um, and then the remake which they made, which was a hate crime. Um, <laughs> at the last minute, China said to the studios, "You're going to be in big trouble if you have China." Like it's in the remake, it was China instead of the Soviet Union invading America, which at least has some pl- superficial plausibility, right? I mean, they they have a lot of soldiers. They have the materiel. They changed it at the last minute to the North Koreans. And the idea that the the Norks alone could somehow, like, invade the continental United States and not be immediately distracted by Whole Foods. Oh, God, yeah. Or... <laughs> oh, my God. Or, or dogs. Right. You know, um... The, the, the North Koreans would invade the Cheesecake Factory, and they would never leave. Yeah, I mean, they, w- they would literally hand over their mm-hmm. guns for Twinkies. Oh, yeah. And what's the price for all this? It's one price, sir. One price. Okay, we're, we're going to... This is base camp. This Cheesecake Factory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to leave. Yeah, uh, and it's weird, though, because don't you feel like... Um, it, that is not really the threat. I mean, it's a dumb thing to say. Yeah, I'm, it's not really a threat that we're going to be invaded... We're not going to invade, be invaded. We're going to invade ourselves, right? Yes. So, at Harvard study today, or not today, I read it today, so to me it's news. <laughs> um, the uh, very uh, elaborate study to recommend that uh, it is unhealthy to eat more than six French fries. Yeah. Well, so be it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. Every three minutes. <laughs> but, but I mean that's like uh, PETA Yeah You saw that PETA thing? Oh yeah 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 So you guys see this? PETA wants everybody to um, uh, Stop using phrases That conjure hatred And bigotry towards animals right. And so instead of Kill two birds with one stone You're supposed to say Feed two birds with one scone. Um, instead of saying beating a dead horse, you're supposed to say feeding a fed horse, and so on. Right? That and stuff really gets my coat. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing, so uh, Rich Lowry, you know, he's my boss at National Review. He's a handsome man. He's a powerful man. Um, he. Uh, oh, and who has? Pneumonia. pneumonia. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you, after staying up drinking cognac till one in the morning, I woke up with bad case n- pneumonia. <laughs> pneumonia, too. yeah, right. Um, <laughs> He's got the Holland America flu, if you yeah. know what I mean, fellas. Um, but uh, years ago, Rich had me do a piece where I went vegan, and he wanted me to do it for a month. And that, that is re- literally a murder plot. Yeah. <laughs> And like my wife and I, we like to cook. We like I like to eat. I know it's hard to believe given you know this, but um, I went about a week, and I started getting full of murderous rage, like three state killing spree, waking up in motels covered in blood, not your own rage. And I still don't understand exactly why, but there's some sort of meat withdrawal process that happens, and. But it was kind of fascinating when you change your lifestyle, albeit very briefly, um, you start seeing the world in different ways. And this is the thing that bothers me about this PETA stuff, right, is that they want to make it sound like any reference to eating things or that hurting animals, 
is just it's like it's like racism or anti-Semitism. It's a deep-seated evil thing, right? And then you go to Whole Foods, and I wrote about this in the piece, right? Where there are whole freezer cases, right? Where they sell vegan chicken wings that look just like chicken wings, and they sell hamburger patties, vegan hamburger patties that they promise tastes just like the real thing, which is what social scientists call a lie. Um, but the, 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 the point I'm getting at is like, I think we can all basically agree that cannibalism is bad, right? If, imagine if we were trying to wean cannibals from cannibalism and supermarkets yeah. stock their shelves with tastes like real Christian missionary. Right. Right? Has the same texture of a human thumb. I mean, people say that's barbaric, mm-hmm. and they and yet the PETA people want it both ways, right? They want to say meat is murder, but hey, let me sell you, you know, something that is the equivalent to them of yeah. cannibalism, right? I'm just thinking about all the gingerbread men I've eaten. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's you know bad, I guess, but you know. I'm still, I'm still kind of more interested in what, like, deep-seated hatred Rich Lowry has for you. <laughs> He's like, some, you know what I'm going to do for Jonah? Be a vegan for a month. Do it! Well, that, I, you joke. My wife was really worried about this because for a year, Rich hammered me about how he wanted me to go to San Francisco, get all dirtied up, and live on the streets as a begging hippie. <laughs> He's like, this would be a great article. And I was like, you're hmm. probably right, but we'll never know. Um, wow. It's like, I am not licensed to practice psychology in the state of Florida. But we're in international waters. We're in international waters, so I could probably use my, expand my license to say that there's some hostility there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Both ways, mister. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I want you to go to a bar and find a really big guy and just throw a drink in his face and see what happens. Well, I want you to write about it. It's, like a, it's a writing thing. It's really more about writing. Uh, well, also, it, ra- it raises certain father issues I have because my dad thought it was hilarious, and I try to do this with my own daughter. Um, it's now a family tradition. Uh, when I was a little kid, I mean, a little kid, right? 1970s New York, on the subway with my dad going down to his office or to the, the arcade or wherever. And there would be an enormous urban gentleman with a boombox playing on the subway, cra- blasting out. Say more. Fr- say more about that. I don't think. No, no, no. We got. It. Do we get it? I think we got. It. This is like people forget that that before the Walkman, like boomboxes were a huge thing, right? And so he's blasting this thing, and my dad used to love to tell me things like, "Jonah, go over there and." and, and Tell that man to turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad would always deadpan this kind of stuff. And um, and so, like, when my daughter was little, I when I would drop her off at National Presbyterian School in D.C., um, there were so many other Goldbergs, and um, I always used to in carpool when she's going off, a little cute girl, and I always used to yell out the window. No knife fights. <laughs> right. Don't come back with any of that Adderall. Sell it all. 
all of it. You're an earner now. You're an earner now. The package is coming. We need the real. Yeah, yeah. Daddy's very angry with you. I, I did see that once. Uh, uh, outside our office, there was when we were uh, casting some show, or some other show was being casti- casting, and a bunch of children um, auditioning, not for us, but for somebody. And as they were leaving, the mother really, uh, we saw it in the window, the mother turned to her little daughter, Mommy's very disappointed in you. <laughs> you did not sell the material. <laughs> wow. That, like, like I thought, wh- this is how bad it was for me. I thought, on one hand, um, that's, you know, that's really bad stage mothering, right? The other, like, why didn't she sell the material? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, you had it the night before. You could have looked. Were you distracted by candy or something? <laughs> so you really do. That's I understand how you yeah. could use your children as a prop. Is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, 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 I yeah, forgive yeah. you for that. Kind yeah. of. Sorry. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm happy with my choices. <laughs> You're going to have to pay for that. <laughs> so. But, uh, so in the meantime, uh, uh, you uh, you smoke a lot of cigars. I do smoke a lot of cigars. I smoke too many cigars. How many a day? Uh. Wow, if you have to think about it. Yeah, well. That means more than one. Often more than one, yes. Well, often means what? Every day? Not every day. How Not many a week? Day, but like, um, How many a week? It, what, what the frick is this? Answer is the question. Like <laughs> <laughs> um, this is, you know what? This is an intervention. Yeah, no, no. And these people are mostly strangers to you because your friends just were not, just could not be bothered. They're very busy. Uh, My so wife is going to listen to this, so that, you know. We, oh, okay. we're recording this. Then hold up, hold up the number, hold up your hand. We won't say what a number is. Just say what a number. No, no, daily. It's not daily. Is it? Is it? There are days when it's that many. And there Jessica, are days I'm holding up three. There are days when it's three. There are days when it's three, and there are days when it's zero. Um, there will be, you know, yeah. So it's, it's, I, I smoke too many cigars. The problem is when I was killing myself finishing the book, I got to the place where if I had a deadline, I felt like I needed to be smoking a cigar. Yeah. And now I'm in the sort of place where if I'm awake, I feel like I need to be smoking a cigar. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing the thing where um, I'm pretending... That I'm shocked by how many cigars you smoke. Yeah, I know you're not. You're just doing this. I'm to doing it so that I don't have to. Th- I don't have to think about how many I smoke. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing that thing that, um, <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, as much as I supported his nomination, Brett Kavanaugh, there was a weird moment where he did that thing that um, friends of mine who are uh, you know struggle with alcohol do say they people do, where someone said to him, "Hey, uh, you know, how much do you drink? How do you drink?" <laughs> like, which is every drunk's response to that question, which was not really. How you, know, you tell me you know, what you drink? You so high and mighty. How many cigars do you smoke, Jonah? Wow. Like it, it doesn't help but reflect on you. Like, well, maybe you. So how many cigars do you smoke? Bob? I smoke three a day. No, do you? No, I don't. I really don't. Yeah. I wouldn't do that because I. Because uh, you know, this is something I want to protect. <laughs> no, I smoke one. I smoke maybe four a week. Uh, you're, but you're you're also taking other interesting and exotic medications. <laughs> well, medications is uh, nice, a nice way to put it. Thank you. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, I thought I thought I'd do. Yeah, I am way. taking. I, I, you know, I'm. I, this is a. Yeah. I going to ask you this: How <laughs> many different physicians do you have in your life who are writing you prescriptions? <laughs> and do they know about each other? Well, they. I can answer the second question first. <laughs> yeah, the just hold up, no. hold up the number. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, no, but I, uh, I, they, they, some of them, I guess, I think they're passingly familiar with each other in uh-huh. the sense that, uh-huh. um, uh, that I think on my insurance, maybe they, they see, I don't really know. Though they probably don't know each other. 
Yeah. You're fine. Is anybody here a doctor, MD? Uh, can I see you afterwards? Did you, bring, <laughs> did you bring your pad? If you brought your pad, if you didn't bring your pad, I don't really care. You can you know, jump off the bridge. I don't care. See, you know, one of the things they want to do to fight the opioid crisis is have a national register of, of for prescriptions, so that a doctor sure. can check if you've got right. you know whatever. Well, and there are a lot of doctors for various reasons who are against it. My my only question is, <laughs> would, if they had such a thing, mm-hmm. would a siren go off when you type in Rob Long? Well, I don't know. Um, I don't know what your audio card in your computer is, so I don't know whether it would go off or not. <laughs> um, I think that I would probably uh, there would be uh, be a phone call, like, "Hey, uh, everything okay in there?" Um, no, actually, but I, I do. I, I do have a friend, and this is true. This is not a lie. A friend of mine who's a writer, and she's very, very good, and she's very, very successful, and um, and she's in L.A. and uh, she's sort of old, old, slightly older than me. I'm 53, so she's in her mid 50s, and. Um, and she, you've been fifty three for a while, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what did I ever do to you? You, you no, I'm fifty three years old. I was you, born you, in nineteen sixty five. You grilled me on the cigar thing. So yeah, well, I'm, you I'm know, getting payback. Yeah, okay, and I'm so pointing out you have like a bunch of doctor feel goods in your life. Anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so she, um, her kids are teenagers in L A, and she sends them to the doctor to get Adderall. And then she gets it for them, and she takes it from them because they don't need it. Her her response to them is like, "You don't need it. You don't have to earn." <laughs> and <laughs> it's true. And she takes it, and 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 it's like it's for adults. Apparently, I'm just saying. Apparently, it's a wonder drug because you have to like. She's like, "I'm busy and tired all the time, and I need this. Uh, you know, I need it." And um, uh, and so I have some, and I haven't yet. I mean. I'm not up against the wall yet, but I do believe probably in the, in the future, most grown-up people who have to earn a living are going to try to figure out a way to earn it with a little less, you know, work uh, and a little more helpful, uh, better living, uh, better living through pharmacology. Yeah. Exactly right, yeah. uh, and I won't apologize for that. I understand. You're, you're preemptively not apologizing preemptively for something you're claiming you're not doing. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, and okay. if you look at the map, you know, you, you and you can't get me copper because, uh, you know, pig, fuzz. Yeah, this, is, have, this, you know. is, this is very O.J. Simpson. Even if I did take those <laughs> drugs, yeah, right. I wouldn't apologize for it. Right. Well, I have been doing a lot of research because I've been trying to uh, uh, work on the project that's actually kind of complicated. And a friend of mine – all right, I'll tell you this. This is – Friend of mine said, "I was. It's about. Uh, it's sort of about the Me Too movement. Like, you know, how do you like if you're just one of those like guys who's just been nailed? How do you change everything?" Um, and, uh, and so, a friend of mine has been through a little bit of that. He said, "Oh, you should see my shaman up in Inwood, which is a northern part of Manhattan." And so I'm like, "All right, I got some time." So I go be, go to visit this shaman, as one does. As one does. Who's uh, kind of a weird guy? Like he teaches musicology in Columbia, and he's got a big gong in his. Uh, a gong, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, just so I yeah, yeah, it's a hard G, hard G, like GIF, yeah, like GIF, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. Uh, and what people do is they pay him a lot of money, which I did not do. And you uh, you lie on a rug, and he plays the gong behind you, and you meditate. And I'm like, well, I don't. How does that do anything? And I kept saying, asking him over and over again. He's being really, really weirdly coy. And he said, okay, well, first I give you a giant tab of MDMA, which is actually a wonder drug if you if you need it. Uh, and then I give you some psilocybin, which is the active, psychoactive ingredient in magic mushrooms. And then I play the <coughs> gong, and you meditate. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's not the same. That's not really what I walked in. You weren't saying that. But um, eventually, and I'm, I'll be honest, eventually I will do that to try it and see what happens, and I will report back. All right, all right, cool. Um, should we go to Q&A? Well, wait, do we... Do we do everything? We did cigars. 
Uh, do we do podcast? So, how, just quickly about podcasts. Because we, we are recording this for a podcast. We are. We're going we're to drop the ads in later. Um, so when you listen to this, of course you would. Because who wouldn't want to relive this? Experience? This is great, right? <laughs> right? Um, uh, so tell tell people a little bit about your podcast. Okay, so I have so a podcast called The Remnant, and I also co-host a podcast with Rob and John Pedoritz, who's history's greatest monster, um, <laughs> called Glop, which kind of stands or Glop Culture, I guess, is its full title, wow. right? And Goldberg Long Pedoritz, and. Uh, um, it's weird. I meet more and more people who like know me as a podcaster. Which yeah, I, I did not anticipate. And um, it's funny though. It's like I kind of do and kind of don't want the ads that they have. But you do the ads, right? I, I try to do that. I'm bad at it. I'm really bad at it. Um, I keep wanting someone. Like my dream would be for my favorite brand of cigars and my favorite brand of Irish whiskey to advertise on my podcast because I have no problem selling things that I actually like. Um, and that's not like I don't like the products that do advertise, but I'm not passionate about, right. you know, ZipRecruiter. Great company. Great company, yeah. Great company. Go to their website, ZipRecruiter.com slash Dingo. You'll get a 10% off. They do great stuff. But, like, Balvenie Single Malt Scotch. I could do whole podcasts on it. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, um, great. And well, on ours, uh, John Podoritz does the spots. And then on the one that I did for Ricochet, it was James Lilacs does the spots, which I always interrupt. Um, but what's nice about it is that like it's these, these are real products; they're actually really good. Yeah. Although I did, um, there's one called uh, uh, it's great product by the way called Burrow, and they um, they keep sending me the wrong cushion, mm. and so I have to keep emailing them and say oh, I got the you know the thing the thing doesn't fit in the thing it's an ottoman that they sent and the cushion's too small. And so I sent them an email, and I got an email back actually this morning that I guess I typed it in wrong to the the, the board, uh, and so they think my name is Wrong Cushion Rob, <laughs> which is weird because that was your name in prison, literally my name in prison for twenty three years, and that was also my stage name for twenty three years. Yeah, well, well, because you started out performing in prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah right, that's true. Shows, it wasn't so. really performing; it was really uh, <laughs> kind of more kabuki, like uh, it was. Command performance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right, right. Wrong Cushion Rob, Three Cigar Jonah. Um, this has been fun. Yeah, yeah. It's great stuff. Um, Please clap. <laughs> no, get it. Okay, so this is a good place to talk about our sponsor this week, which is Untuck It. And um, I have to say, I have been brought around on Untuck It. Untuck It. I was a skeptic at first when I first saw the commercials, but we actually got some samples, and I've since bought more with my own money. But because I wasn't a first-time buyer, I was already in their system, I did not get the Slash Dingo discount, and I was still happy to buy them. They are remarkably well-made. They're super comfortable. If you're a big and tall guy like I am, you know that when you have an untucked sort of normal kind of Brooks Brothers kind of shirt, when they're untucked, they kind of look like you're um, doing the walk of shame in college or something like that. And these things are made to look and feel like this is the way they're made, untucked. And, um, of course, you rip a hole in the space-time continuum if you tuck them in, but just just don't, don't do that. But I've turned into a big fan of them. I now have five or six of them. They're particularly great for flying if you have to go someplace and you want to feel comfortable, but you might actually have to show up straight away at something looking presentable. Uh, they're a great sort of casual slash dressy thing. So anyway... Go to untuckit.com or visit one of Untuckit's 50 stores across the U.S. and Canada. 
Untucket even offers free shipping and returns on all, all orders in the U.S. Use promo code DINGO for 20% off your first purchase. So if you want the perfect fitting shirt, regardless of your shape and size, try the original Untucket shirt. And remember, use promo code DINGO, that's D-I-N-G-O, for 20% off your first purchase. We want to thank Untucket for their sponsorship and support of this podcast, and want to thank you guys for helping us out with our advertisers. We could stop or we could do Q&A. It's really, you know, uh, it's America's choice. Yeah, we can do Q&A. Is, is there any Q, is there any, re, are people exhausted? Well, we have a queue right in front of us. All right. And since there's been no provision of microphones, we can always repeat the question. Yeah, we'll repeat the question. We do really like it when people make their statements in the form of a question. Or just if you have something you really need to say, and you can say it in under 12 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Go. Do you know what PETA stands for? Do I know what PETA stands for? People eating tasty animals. People eating tasty animals. That wasn't a question, but it was fine because it was short. It was great. It started with a question. Yeah, it was like a it was more of a knock knock. Yeah. 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 Any any other knock knock jokes or questions? No. No. Oh, no. well, yeah. I don't think I like your tone. <laughs> Well, if you can, if you can figure out how to listen to Rush, you can figure out how to listen to us. If you you can go to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, any of those things, or you can just go to just your search engine and type in the name of the podcast or whatever, and it, within very quickly you'll find a link to it. Um, you can set up an app on your phone to do it. Um, if you pay Rob a surprisingly low fee, yeah. he will just I'll, repeat the I'll entire podcast I'll to you over lunch. Yeah, totally. Or just see me. I'm, e- I'm at the Genius Bar a lot. Anybody else? Anyone else? Want to jump yes. in? Yes, ma'am. You think I need hair and makeup work? I don't think I like your tone. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's funny, right? I mean, so at Fox, we have... Um, I, I, I don't want to presume to judge, make judgments of other people's aesthetic sensibilities, but I am comfortable saying that there are many attractive women who work at Fox. And me too, me too. Yeah. And, me too, uh, this bastard, me too. Um... And so you get these women who come into the makeup room who, I mean, they're just really, like, pretty women, and they get 90 minutes in the chair, like, just just done to the nines. I come in this giant, unmade bed of a man. <laughs> I get six and a half minutes tops. Um, There's only so much you can do. That's true. <laughs> you know... When it's a ratty apartment, you put some cookies in the oven. Yeah, you, you know, it's exactly right. Yeah, that's, that's all you can do. So, yeah, uh, put yeah, some cinnamon on a thing and turn it up to eat, and then, you know, hope nobody checks the closets. Yeah. Yeah, but they do... Um, they, they do it all. They yeah. always do a lot of makeup, and they do notoriously more makeup at Fox than they do at the at the other net- networks. But um, I do... Uh, and then when I leave, I some I used to uh, get baby... They have baby wipes everywhere. And get baby wipes to just, like, take it all off. I just was, like, convinced... In some weird way that I would like, it was gonna like. Again, I'm not getting into politics here. I'm sure 
I'm sure I'll take back every nasty thing I've ever said about Trump. <laughs> but I will not take this back. That he needs to have a professional do his makeup. <laughs> because he's in full hair and makeup every day. I've been show business. I'm telling you, he's got a makeup artist and a hair person every day. And they don't blend. So you can see the mask like he's in some kind of Japanese opera. <laughs> And nobody, they blend up. And like women, like, you know, you ask any woman, like, you can blend the concealer into the contour. What are you doing? Like, even the ladies in the, st- the department store know how to do that. I mean, and, and by the way, he's, he's, he's only a few months short of actually maybe putting a little mascara on there. I mean, he's going full President Liberace. But, and I mean that, I'm totally respectful, obviously, of the, of the office. Uh, but I was always nervous about that, so I would take these these uh, baby wipes and wipe them, and just like like all over my face, and I would leave like with this purple bruised, exp- like veins, like I looked like I had been like like I had a second degree burn, uh, just because. And then now when I leave, I just leave it on, and I actually find in New York City I get a lot more attention. <laughs> I I, always, I hate having it on. I hate it, and uh, but there was. This Times earlier in my youth, where I would like go out and or whatever, I would late and and, um, and sometimes I would self medicate a bit too much out of the. I would be overserved somewhere, right? And um, uh, and I'd forget I had it on, and I go to bed, and in the morning it oh. just smeared across my pillow. Yeah, I was like, you know, oh my god, I killed a clown last <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah. Again, again, right? Why do I keep yeah, right. doing this? <laughs> Or just a clown comes in from the kitchen. Hi, good morning, Jonah. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> Want to squirt my... F- Never mind. Uh, All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, last one? Last one. Oh, it's not a question. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Well, I hope it's a statement. Why not? I hope it's a haiku. Oh, Thank you. I know. You should have been on here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the show's canceled, you know, so only in my head could I be on it. It's a, I, I don't know. I think performing is an undignified profession. And I'd rather, like, sit. I'd rather, my job is to sort of sit in a high chair on a stage and judge and look like, mm, oh. And sometimes I'll do this. And I, that's much easier. Well, so it's funny. I was talking to somebody sort of about this the other night on the boat. I, all these conversations blur into one. Um, nice, huh? Nice guy. No, no, just I'm talking constantly. <laughs> oh, and, I know. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're, you're a dead man. Um, but um, uh, you know, for most of civil human civilization, we used to have actors were among the lowest <laughs> professions. They were they were like right right somewhere between um, roadkill handlers and whores. And that's how society looked at them for a very, very, very long yeah. time, right? And now we elevate them above it's almost crazy. everybody else. Yeah. And it just occurred to me, listening to you talk, probably the last segment of American life that still has the old school contempt for actors that you're supposed to are producers, <laughs> right? Because you actually work Writers, with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are they really is? Is, um, it, is it just yeah. that? They're, they're no, the only they're people you can boss around, or is it? They're no, they're really wonderful. <laughs> they're, I mean, look, it, that's your that's your job, right? You've chosen that, and and you've told yourself this weird lie that, like, again, not not 
license to practice psychology in, you know, even in international waters. But like you've told yourself, like, I just want to do because I want to make people happy, which is a lie. I want to p- pay attention to me. You know, there's an old story about the, the actor reading a script and they're like, bullshit, 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 me, me, <laughs> bullshit, bullshit, me, <laughs> me, and like, you know. and they, that's how they, you know, they think. Um, and all writers feel like, uh, well, the old joke, right? The old joke is, did you hear about the Polish actress who came to Hollywood? She slept with a writer. <laughs> right, so that's where we are. Right, so we're naturally furious about like, oh, why aren't, why isn't, you know, we did a parade once for the uh, uh, for Cheers. We went to Boston for the 200th episode. We did this huge parade, and like I was from Boston. Like I, had, I, I, I was preparing everybody for like, is there people in Boston look cool? They're not really going to go crazy. Look crazy for the Celtics and the Bruins. Um, this is before the Red Sox. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, but they, yeah, but they're not going to get huge. It was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable parade. And we're in a car, and it's like the staff, the cast is in the cars, and everybody's cheering, and we're going, and then we're in a car that is for um, you know writers and producers. It says on the side, and so we can we're, we're, we're in the line, and we're going through, and people are cheering and screaming. Ah, there's Tad Dance, ah. and then we pass by, <laughs> and we pass by in silence, and then behind us is Woody Harrelson. Ah. You can just see the the audio wave dip every because nobody cares about the writers at all, right? Um, they only really care about the actors who they see, which makes total sense, by the way. I mean, it bugs me, but it makes total sense. But the um, the Alfred Hitchcock famously said, um, "Actors are cattle," and someone I think I forget who it was, some actor. Uh, really took offense at that and once demanded said I, I am really angry that you said that and he his response did he work for PETA? <laughs> yeah <laughs> well worse his response Alfred's response I, you know what you're right but I was misquoted what I said was actors should be treated like cattle <laughs> <laughs> alright everybody good night. thank you very much good night thank you that's <laughs> good Testing, testing. I see, I see something happening. Yeah, technically, there's a way to do playback, but I don't yeah, know how to do that. Yeah, we're not going to. Yeah. By the way, this is gold. <laughs> Use this.